our posterity there is prosperity. God seeks a culture and generation willing to bring awareness to the lost, weary, and brokenhearted. Will you shine your faith in the midst of a fallen world as we draw closer to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? In times of despair and confusion, let us together sound the alarm. Your host, Pablo Azurdia. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 1 and on. This is um, a defense from the Apostle Paul, and when when he, when his when his authenticity or his calling is being uh, put into question, and he declares the following in chapter nine, verse one of First Corinthians. He declares, "I am free, am I not? I am an apostle, am I not? I have seen Jesus our Lord, haven't I? You are the result of my work in the Lord." aren't you pretty much asking rhetorical questions in which they could answer for themselves very clearly. Verse two, if I am not an apostle to other people, surely I am one to you for you are the evidence of my apostolic authority from the Lord. And also if you just jump with me very briefly to verse uh, 16, this is where I want to add upon the discussion and our conversation tonight. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For this obligation has been entrusted to me. How terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. Verse 17. For if I preach voluntarily, I get rewarded or I get a reward. But if I am unwilling to do it, I am still entrusted with the or that obligation. Wow. Powerful, strong words. Uh, let's bow our heads very quickly and ask the Lord to um, to guide us in today's conversation. Father, Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, being attentive to every dialogue, to every praise and worship that your church has attributed to you tonight virtually. And we just want to bring awareness that you are here, that you are amongst us, and that you will continue to move according to your will, according to what's in store for us tonight, God. Spirit of God, you are here. Spirit of God, may you give honor and glory to Jesus Christ, the one who deserves it. And may you continue to move with freedom, with liberty this very evening, God. May you block any distractions, any impediments, anything that the opposition uh, will try to do in order to take away the seed that has been prepared for us this evening, God. Welcome, Spirit of God. Your word declares when two or three are gathered in your name, you are present. And, and, and this is your place. This is your gathering. This is your time. In the name of Jesus and the people of the Lord that are connected, say amen. And so, um, as you know, this week, actually um, to, tonight or today in the evening, we brought closure to our how do I say this in, in, in English? In Spanish, it's called radioton. I, let me find the word for that very, very, very quickly. Uh, our radio marathon. Maybe that's the word. I uh, I think that might be the description. And it was this week from Monday to Sunday. And we brought closure uh, of this week. As you know, the radio, Radio Sion, Radio Zion, 540 a.m. For those who did not know that the church does have a radio. Um, twice a year, we emphasize on the importance of, of what it is to, to give, the importance of expressing uh, a generous deed to, to a great cause with God. And um, as you know, the, the radio in today's day and age is such a fundamental tool for us to communicate the good news out there and, and also for us to continue on with administrating it effectively. As you know, there are expenses, there are things that require for the radio to function. It's not just a, a one person team. It requires 
a, a group of people working simultaneously under the same vision, under one functionality to make things happen. And, and thank God, thank God that this week we were able to uh, emphasize the importance of spreading the gospel, spreading the good news through that very mechanism that we have. And in today and age, I mean, we live now in a hybrid system where um, where we rely a lot on digital devices, but we also integrate um, analog devices together so that we could uh, um, carry out the word of God through a message, through through music, through any other ways or forms that that brings awareness to the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And so I, I, I bring this up because to, today we brought closure to it. And for those who God puts in their hearts to want to continue uh, to sow for the radio, you could do so. You could visit the radio. It's radiosionradiozion.net, I believe, or as well, call you can call the church and ask information about that particular department, and they'll be more than glad to uh, facilitate you to the right person. But anyways, why do I bring this up? Because I love, I love how the Apostle Paul in his and his expression and his responsibility and just the notion of understanding the task that has been given to him and spreading the gospel really comes to show how this man was committed to the end committed even to to death to bring awareness of jesus christ and his testimony to the early church of this time and verse 17 let me just read that passage again because I just love the fact how he mentions the word or a word that is synonymous synonymous for us to understand, to be entrusted. Say with me, to be entrusted. You know, that word is such a beautiful expression, a statement. It has value, it has depth, it has weight. And it's, and it's something that we shouldn't be um, dismissing carelessly. The Lord has entrusted in us to spread the good news, to, to spread his message. And there's this famous woman, uh, historian woman, that in her time she spread the gospel, and I believe her name is Francis of Assisi. Assisi, I believe Assisi is a region in France, a region in Europe where she lived. And let me just quote briefly what she said. She said, spread the gospel as much as you can, as much as you can go. And, and, and if you have to, use words. Listen to that. In other words, let our actions speak for itself the good news of Christ. Let our testimony give um, credibility, give depth to a fallen world that needs to hear and receive the hope of Jesus Christ. And if words are needed, then let's speak about it. Then let's be verbal about it. And it's this add upon our actions, the very dialogue that also brings salvation to the people of this time. Well, the Apostle Paul, as you know, his 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 ministry, his calling was put into question. Many people uh, were iffy about in disbelief about being an apostolic uh, messenger from God. As you know, the word apostolic pretty much means a messenger from God, someone who who the Lord gives a commission, an objective, or a certain task, and then that person gives the message or rallies up, recruits other people to make that message become a reality. That what well, That is what the word apostolic means. I mean, it sounds sophisticated. It sounds very strong. It may be one of the, the strongest ministries, but if you compare the other four, which in total there are five ministries, the apostolic ministry is the smallest one that caters to the other four. And I don't want to get into death or or um, or derail myself into that today's subject, but I bring that up tonight just so you could have that awareness um, this evening. But Paul mentions again in verse 16, 16, for I preach the gospel. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For this obligation has been entrusted to me i love the fact that he that he that he reminds his own flesh his own mind and his own soul that what he is exercising what he is administrating by grace and mercy alone is what allows him to keep his humbleness intact 
Because in today's time, sometimes when, when, when people just take off full blown and full throttle in the ministry, which it should be, that's, you know, the intensity that should be displayed out of love for Christ that we have. But sometimes it gets to a point where in that intensity and in that, in, in, in that level that they're in and that anointing, if I could, uh, and, bring it to those terms sometimes our flesh could get carried away sometimes our our flesh uh, could think that all the merits that have that were conducted all the success that came about a certain ministry a certain individual a certain group of people sometimes our flesh could get carried away that we tend that we could come to believe that everything was done based on our strength based on our intellect based on our wisdom and based on our resources when in reality everything that we do is for the lord everything that we have accomplished it's through his merits it's through his grace it's through his mercy it's through his anointing. And as you know, to be anointed by God or to be moved under the influence of the anointing is remarkable. It's, it's extraordinary. It's something that that takes you into a different level. When you feel uh when you feel stressed, when you feel um tension in the air, when you feel that things are not going to your way. The grace of God sends the anointing, the ability at the moment of time to cap to uh, make you more than capable of of delivering the goods of the gospel. I hope that's a way to to grasp the gospel. For example, King Saul, the first king and the monarch of Israel, the first chosen one from the people, but yet the Lord allowed the people to select their their king, their monarch. King Saul in his early stages, in his early um, reign, did remarkable things, conquered his enemies, conquered many territories, and enriched himself with Israel with the best of the best. But then it got to it got to a point in his life that he began to believe that all the accomplishments that he experienced were based on his strength alone. And so he became an arrogant person. Arrogance just took over his life completely, blinded his vision, and he became oblivious to the reality that is the Lord that gives us that gives us the victory, but the victory is him. We attribute back the victory towards God. And so when the Apostle Paul says, For I preach the gospel, what a beautiful responsibility we have within our hands church what a beautiful way an opportunity for us to give testimony to christ and to disciple new believers what an amazing responsibility it really is something for us to be grateful about something for us to reflect continuously and say lord you could have called in this person you could have called in this other individual but you choose to call me you chose to call me and my family and and you know preaching the gospel necessarily doesn't mean that you must have a microphone and a pulpit or being a congregation no preaching the gospel could be on your ordinary day uh whether you're at work running errands or gathering with colleagues co-workers or fellow students whatever however your schedule looks if you're able to nudge in there uh, the gospel, the message of Christ, that is a way of preaching the word of God. That is a way of bringing awareness to this falling world that that Jesus is the answer for humanity, that Jesus is only is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way. There's no other truth. Jesus Christ is the absolute truth. We live in a culture that uh, truth has become relevant in many cultures around the world where truth could be could be someone around the globe in a different culture in a different religion in a, in a different belief system and humanity uh, accepts those norms accepts those you know quote-unquote um, realities that that are acceptable uh, in, in, hu- in human nature but no 
And, you know, that and, and that itself, talking about um, cultural relatives, relativism has been influencing very hard within our people today. You know, there are even Christians who have become very tolerant to that, where they say, well, I'll, I'll stick to my Jesus. I'll stick to my Lord and and I'll accept your other way. I'll accept your other truth. And most believers have become very very tolerant to that, accepting other belief systems that are not the way, the truth, and the life. For example, I mentioned this on Friday night very quickly, um, something that is universal is, math, is mathematics. Mathematics doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are around the world. It doesn't matter where you were born. But if we use this simple equation, 2 plus 2 equals 4, that is an absolute truth. That is that is a fact around the world. It doesn't matter again where you were born, your how was your upbringing, or what type of curriculum or education you received. Two plus two is four. That is a universal fact. As a matter of fact, you know even the world has stipulated that if we ever come in contact with extraterrestrials, they believe that in order to communicate with those other beings in the universe is through mathematics. And so, I mean, taking that concept, that notion itself, we could then apply it to, to Christ. Either, either, either Christianity is false or it's true. It's either one or the other. It can't, we cannot say that Christianity is true and then other religious beliefs are true. Either we are right or they are wrong, or either they are right, or they are wrong. I mean, there has to be absolutes nowadays, and that is and that is what the world does not want to accept. The world wants the world believes and assumes that in order to get to the creator of heaven and earth, there are many ways to go through. There are many paths that the that the believer or the the human being could take. No, there's only either one way. Either we are right or they are wrong or either they are wrong and we are right. And Jesus comes and challenges the church. Well, actually, Jesus does challenge the church, but in a different way in reference to loved ones and, and, and significant others. But when it comes to the world itself, his message is very challenging. His message is, is very strong because there's no there's no room for leeway. There's no room for a second consideration. There's no space or thought of Jesus. Can you consider this other deity? Can you consider this other divine being? No. And Jesus comes and says, I am the way I am the truth and I am the life and just creation itself. And, and what we see in the old Testament just validates uh, Jesus' authenticity that he was and that he is the son of God and that he still reigns at the right side of the father. And so when humanity hears those words, they take offense. They take it very personal because then they start they start um, implementing or bringing personal matters. They start bringing other different types of ideologies, beliefs, cultures around the world. And the simple fact is, using my, using my simple um, example, two plus two equals four. You know, culture, we cannot assume and we cannot accept that different types of cultures around the world will take you to know the creator of this world. No, salvation doesn't come through culture. Yes, culture does influence us in many shape, ways, or forms. Culture, in a sense, also molds our behavior and our character. But culture in itself cannot be eluded, or we cannot say that culture could take us to know God the creator. And so that's where the world gets challenged. That's where the world... It, it, it takes offense and they and they begin to offend Christ. They begin to offend the one who is the mediator between man and God. And the most surprising thing of all is that Christ presents salvation. 
Christ presents a package where when we are and when the day comes that we go into that eternal state, there won't be no more infirmities, no more sickness, no more hardships. God will wipe out every tear from our eyes. I mean, when we talk about the package of salvation, which it's pretty much non-negotiable, it's a no-brainer. It's something that we should we should not even think about it twice, but accept it. If Jesus is 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 offering this type of salvation to humanity, why not take it? Why not say yes to it? Why not understand that it's through the merits of Jesus Christ alone that gives us the ability through him receive eternal salvation? And for some reason, the world wants to embrace their belief, embrace their religion, and they want to take the long way, for example. Well, I don't want to say long way because there is no other way to the Father, but what they want to do is is try to acquire their salvation through their own strength, through their own merits. When the Bible mentions that it is impossible for, for flesh and blood to inherit the kingdom of God, it's impossible for us to fulfill even the law, the Jewish law, the very original law that was given to Moses, uh, to the prophets. And it was, it was impossible for uh, a man to fulfill the bar of, of receiving salvation by himself, by his merits. And that is why Jesus, the Jesus had to come. That is why the, the verb, the word came and took flesh. In other words, God had to descend to planet earth came through, came out through a womb, which that is another, uh, a beautiful thing that, that to the women who are watching this or hearing this, did you know that in order for, humanity or human being to come to planet earth is they have to go through your womb first it's amazing and god the creator used a 16 17 year old girl's womb to come into this world just fathom for a second that reality because one might say well i mean if he's god the creator why didn't he just descend you know in his divine nature into the world i mean <laughs> The Lord knows exactly how he has constructed his own laws, his own nature. And he used the very laws of his own nature to come and walk amongst us here on earth. He came through the womb of a woman and he fulfilled the greatest gift that he now presents to humanity, which is his salvation eternal salvation and not just any type of salvation the one the only one in which will allow us to forever forever in a perpetual state be with our god and our creator you know i take joy by saying that what a what a what a tremendous truth to embark in absolute truth that we have in christ jesus and so going back, I know I kind of wavered off a bit, kind of went from one point to another, but stay with me. Jesus Christ is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. It's not just a truth because some people, people tend to say that, no, Jesus Christ is just a truth of so many. No, he is the truth, the absolute truth. And the world, I'm sorry, they take offense for that. Because for some reason, they, they also have a hard time accepting predestination, accepting free will. Uh, they think that, well, if that's the case, then then words are free will. No, God is so infinite. Listen to this. God is so infinite. He is not finite. He is not limited. God is so infinite that he knows all the infinite possibilities that you will take when it comes to your free will. Just think about that for a second. Yeah, it's hard to fathom that, you know, but if you have free will, it means that the Lord has given us many infinite possibilities of, of making choices. And since God is omniscient, he knows it all. He is an infinite being that knows all the possible routes, infinite routes that you will take in life. So again, it, we it doesn't we cannot put into question 
that tremendous uh, ability that we have in free will. So going back, Paul mentions, for I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. Oh, this is where I kind of went off for a bit. Let's, let's always keep our feet on the ground because I know that the anointing, if, if, it's, if we are not put in check, if we don't hold some kind of accountability in us, we could definitely rise up too far up in the sky. And then when the Lord wants to bring us down, the fall will hurt. And, and Paul mentions, I preach the gospel and, and I have nothing to boast about. In other words, Paul is saying, this is not my gospel. This message is not about me. This message is not about my merits. This message is not about how I was, how I was uh, instructed and formed and shaped by my teacher, Gamaliel, by within the Jewish council, within the Pharisees. This gospel is not about me. But today, in today's day and age, there are so many people, sadly to say, that they, they present a gospel about them. Maybe they start off speaking, introducing Christ for a couple of seconds, a, a couple of minutes, but then they sidetrack. They go off and they go to another direction and, and then the message is just really about them. It's just about what they did, what they have and what they want to do. It just seems like the, the whole sermon is about that individual and Paul wasn't that type of preacher. He, was, he wasn't of those individuals that would boast about his merits, although he was able and righteously um, validated to do so. Because, I mean, just look, let's go back. If you read in Philippians chapter 2 or 3, you see a very quick sketch of Paul, uh, Paul's repertoire, his upbringing. And the man was pretty much untouchable. And in, in terms of the law, but yet this man did not boast about himself when he wrote these epistles under the influence about Christ. He goes, I have nothing to boast about. This man knew, or pretty much this man, every time he would look in his flesh, every time he would look inside of him, all he would see was the worst of the worst. And I'm sure one area that really struck hard in the core of the apostle Paul was when he was a persecutor of the early church. This man would drag Christians, uh, believers would drag them into the, uh, into the courts. They will be thrown into jail, throw the key and, 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 and forever for forgotten. I mean, this man persecuted Christians and he also witnessed the martyrdom of certain individuals. Actually, Paul witnessed, if you read Acts chapter 7 or 8, it talks about the martyrdom uh, of Stephen when he was stoned to death. And within that group of people that threw stones to, to Stephen, Paul was there. At the time, his name was Saul, but he witnessed those accounts. And I'm sure that and, and after his transformation, after his, his, yeah, his transformation, because it was a complete transformation that even the early apostles of the church, when they saw this man, they kind of first questioned him a bit because they knew what type of person he was. They knew that he was an enemy of the church. And when they witnessed his transformation, it took time for the early apostles and believers to, to accept Paul and, and, and to and to join and to have him integrated with the fellowship of the disciples and early believers. But going back, I'm sure every time he would look back into himself, that was something that that he just had to forgive himself and accept it and move on and continue on with the gospel. But yet this man will preach the good news with power, with authority, with illustrations, with demonstrations of the spirit of God. And yet he kept his feet on the ground. I have nothing to boast about for this obligation. So with me obligation, I want to ask the following. Is preaching the gospel for you an obligation? Is it a luxury? Is it just a, a nice desire? How do you perceive the gospel for you? How, how do you perceive the gospel? Just think, let, let that sink in for a second. 
there are people who preach the gospel just to acquire financial gains, just to be lucrative and exploit other people, financially speaking, or just to bolster ego. And there are those who do it lovingly, willingly, not expecting anything in return. And all they care about is as long as Jesus is glorified in the midst of the people that are in need, that is more than sufficient. There are those who do it wholeheartedly. There are those who take joy in just being public public representatives of the kingdom of God, PRs, if I could say, public relationship, relationships and, and the kingdom of God and just talking about Christ, they take joy and it, it's, uh, it's, it's just a privilege in itself. Paul says, for this obligation has been entrusted to me. This man was entrapped. This man had no choice and he knew that he was born for this. I want to ask you the following. In today's century, in this 21st century, what were you born to do? It's a good question, right? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry if it's a loaded question, but 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 something for us to really think about. Let us sink in. What were you born to do in today's day and age? Only you can answer that question. I could throw assumptions, I could just throw in other possibilities, other things. But if you are able to answer that question effectively, and if you are truly honest with yourself, I think that's a good starting point, a good a good way to really be at par with Christ in your relationship. For Paul, this was an obligation that had been entrusted to him. Why? Because when the Lord called him to his ministry, to his service, the Lord had already foresaw, had already foreseen the outcome of Paul's ministry. And the Lord says, this is the person I want to entrust my gospel, my, my testimony. This is one of the founders that will, will, that will strengthen my foundation to the church of today and to the church of the future. And 2,000 years ago, has passed and and surely and oh boy the, the gospel has been preached has been declared maybe not yet around the world completely but we definitely have covered many areas many ter uh, territories continents around the world to bring awareness to the gospel it's amazing that in today's day and age that the bible has been translated more than 30 or 40 languages different linguistics uh different languages so that people could be aware of who jesus christ was 2000 years ago 600 years ago 500 years ago the bible didn't have the strength as far as, you know, printing and making multiple copies as it has today. And it's been written more than 30 languages. And it's, it's an obligation of those that were entrusted to preach and to share the word of God. What a beautiful reality. What, uh, aside, despite the, the horrific times that we are living, despite the darkness that we are seeing, Yet the, the Bible, the word of God, it's, it's, it's being pronounced. The light of God is becoming much more radiant in today's time around the globe. We have a tremendous obligation, church. We have a tremendous um, responsibility in our hands. Why? Because the Lord entrusted in us to share his gospel, to make believers. Nowadays, there are believers who who are very reluctant in forming other disciples. Other believers, just they just disregard the great commandment that we see in Matthew chapter 28. Let's just read that commandment uh, once again. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Then Jesus came and told them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and this is, the follow-up is where we have to pay close attention, be attentive, 
and follow up with his guidance. Therefore, as you go, what does it mean as you go? It means get yourself occupied in the kingdom of God. Get yourself busy in spreading my my gospel, my word, my testimony. Now that you have accepted it, now that you have received me, now that you have acknowledged me as your king, as your Lord, as your absolute truth, now in that belief, I want you to walk upon that belief. It says, therefore, as you go, disciple people in all nations. This is the International Standard Version that declares it. It doesn't say make believers of people in all nations. It says disciple people in all nations. Obviously, before you disciple someone, that person, he or she needs to accept Jesus Christ as its absolute truth. And once they become believer, they easily will follow up and wanting to become disciples, to walk with Christ. Disciple people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, listen to this, teaching them. What does that imply? Well, I think it's time for us to continue to read the old book. And when I mean the old book, I'm referring to the Bible. It's time for us to read it, grasp it, understand it, and then teach it. Remember, it says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. You know, the Bible is not just something to, to read in your spare time. Of course, your spirit, your, your flesh, you know, kind of diminishes. Every time we read scripture, it helps us to not fall under temptation I mean, yes, it is a book for us to nourish ourselves spiritually, but all that nourishment that you have received or that you are receiving, all that knowledge and comprehension is for us to share upon others, to make disciples of others, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And remember, I am with you each and every day until the end of the age. This is a very uh, a glimpse, a reminder uh, of Christ through the Holy Spirit saying, I will be with you till the end of the age. And so how many could say amen to that truth? Amen to that uh, entrusted responsibility on our hands. It's just again, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. This obligation has been entrusted to me. How terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. Now, let's take a second to think about that very quickly. Imagine it's how can uh, let me use um, the workplace where you're at work. Your employer, your boss, your supervisor, your director, he gives you objectives, tasks, to do during the week. And there is a, a timeline where they expect of the employees to fulfill their obligations, their responsibilities before the end of the week, before Friday comes around. And you're, you're aware that you're being, you're being paid. You're aware that there's a salary there for you. You're aware that what you do is what allows you to bring food to the house, things for the family. But if we become negligent and careless in those responsibilities, I mean, what's what's going to be the reaction of your supervisor, your employer, the person that you need to report to? That person is not going to be thrilled. It's not going to be in good terms with you to the point that you put your work, your job at risk. It hangs by a thread. And then you find yourself in a predicament where many unknowns could go about. You're not certain if, 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 if next week you're going to get paid or not. So applying that, applying that notion, applying that concept, let's apply to what Paul says. 
But if I if I am unwilling to do it, it says again, it would how terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. Now, brothers and sisters, I think you know one of my staple pastors. This is for an evangelist, one of the five ministries. This is for a particular vessel that was called to evangelize the whole world, like a Billy Graham, like Gigi Avila, and and un Alberto Motesi. Those are for those people. Well, I mean, there are certain responsibilities that God calls specifically with certain people. But as far as the body of Christ goes, as far as all of us who form collectively in this beautiful body, the one of Christ, of course, we all have to a certain account a responsibility to share the good news, a responsibility to to testify about Christ. There's a there's a verse in Proverbs that says, "The one who rescues souls is considered wise." El que rescata almas es sabio, dice Proverbios. It's a beautiful uh, description that we see in Scripture. So, in other words, you cannot exempt yourself or assume or believe that there's no there's there's no responsibility placed in your hands. No, you can't. You can't exempt yourself and speaking the good news of Christ. Now, there are people who are who are very timid or they're not extroverts or introverts. They have a hard time uh, conducting or administering their social behavior. I mean, you have those circumstances, but I believe that in itself is not justifiable to exempt yourself and not speaking about Christ. It's not a justifiable argument. Why? Because in us, we have the Holy Spirit. And if that is an area that you struggle, an area that that it's, it's not your thing to begin with. And again, public speaking is not for everybody, but I'm not here to talk about public speaking alone. No, I'm here to also mention interpersonal interactions with people. Interactions with loved ones, with family members, with friends, with with those just around you on an inter, interpersonal level, we are not exempt in preaching the word of God. No, we have to a certain degree a responsibility to share a glimpse of Christ to those around us and not just verbally, maybe. It could be through your actions, as I mentioned in earlier in the sermon. It could be by by being generous, by by catering to someone who is in need. It could be something very small, but as long as that as long as that deed, that detail, um, as long as Christ is in that small detail or deed, that's more than enough. And then Jesus would then bring awareness to their conscience, to the reality that humanity needs Christ. So again, if you're that person that struggles uh, when it comes to socializing with other people, ask the Spirit of God to give you, to give you that bonus, to, to to give you that valor, that courageous spirit. That's what we need. We need courage in us, and sometimes I need it myself too. Believe it or not, I I need lots of courage in today's time. Sometimes. We let our flesh get the best of us or we let our thoughts get in the way and we start to believe things that are just not true. But why? Because we allow the enemy to throw thoughts, to, to throw, allow arrows to enter into our mind and then we start to believe those ridiculous notions. But let's allow the Spirit of God to, to stir us up with courage to give us a courageous spirit, a fervent desire, a willingness to share the gospel that has been entrusted in us. It's, it's not just to those who literally preach the gospel uh, on a weekend basis or midweek. It's not 
The gospel wasn't just entrusted to preachers, to pastors, to teachers, to apostles, evangelists, prophets. No, the gospel has been entrusted to all of us who love Jesus Christ. And if we could just give humanity that special remedy, that antidote called Jesus Christ, I believe we will be on the right track. I believe we are on the right track, but we could be even better in the right track, in that momentum. Preach the gospel as much as you can, and if it's necessary, then use words. Those were the words quoted by Francis of Assisi. I don't. It's hard to pronounce that particular town in France, somewhere in Europe. But anyway, going back, how terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel, brothers. I'm not here to instill fear or doubt, but as you know, the Bible mentions that we're, that. The day will come that we will be in the judgment seat of Christ. We will be in the courts of Christ. And the Bible says that we're all going to get compensated, whether by the good or bad things that we did in life. As we are alive, as we have today the opportunity to redirect our path, to redirect our livelihood, to to rethink and reassess how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. This is the opportunity to say, Lord, I want to serve you unconditionally. Lord, I, I, I want to just embrace you and testify to those who you are and how you change me for good and are able to do so with those around you. Because in the judgment seat of Christ, in the day that we are in the divine courts of God, the divine courts of Christ, we're all going to be compensated. And I and I wish and I pray that the Lord compensates us, compensates us tremendously in a good way for everything that we've done in the past and for everything that we're able to do now towards the future. The Bible talks about that. There's even the white throne. The white throne is when the Lord will judge all humanity, all humanity. And the Bible mentions, you can find this in Revelation chapter 20 or 21 around there, where if your name is not, it's not in the book of life, then you will be cast out and thrown into the lake of fire. This is for humanity, not for those who are in Christ. For those who are in Christ, we will be compensated for good or for bad, but salvation has already been with us. But for those who will be judged in the white throne, that's all humanity. The Bible says that the, the dead will arise, that even, even the, the sea will cast out those who died underneath the water. Hades will bring back to all those to 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 enter into that assembly line and humanity will be a, will be judged but for us let's take this moment to reflect what we are capable in, capable of doing N not tomorrow what we are capable of doing today if we just take a moment to embrace and reflect that the gospel has been entrusted in us to be proclaimed to those around us. And so Paul just couldn't fathom the idea, couldn't just envision the fact that he didn't want, he didn't want to daydream of those possibilities. It says how terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. It's another passage that says on Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, how terrible it would be for me, I cried. This is Isaiah's words. Because I am ruined. I am a man with unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the heavenly armies. This is the vision, the encounter that he had when he saw the Lord. I mean, I mean, just right in his face, just right near him. And, and he just felt unworthy. Like I am a man with so many flaws, with so many things that are not desirable for you, God. But yet I'm encountering your divinity. Another example, I mean, we could find so much. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus told him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit 
for the kingdom of God. The Lord has given us a plow. And make sure you hold it with both hands. With both hands, you hold the plow. And the minute that you start working for the kingdom of God, the minute that you start doing things for God and for him alone, do not look back. Do not even give a glimpse to the past. What happened to the wife of Lot? We all know the story, right? After fire and brimstone destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, she was tempted. She didn't want to lose the things that she had in that sinful lifestyle. And her flesh got, got to her. Her flesh got to her. Her disobedient, her rebellious act co converted her into a stone of a salt of pillar, the Bible declares. Woo to those who look back after embracing their hands on the plow. I'll say it in Spanish. Todo aquel que pone las manos en el arado y, y voltea atrás no es adecuado para el reino de Dios. So let me read that again. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What a scary thought. Uh, we also see in, in Colossians chapter chapter 4, verse um, 17, Paul tells to a, spe a specific disciple the following, See that you complete the ministry you have received from the Lord. And he mentioned those words to Ar Archippus. One of one of the, the believers of that time. See that you complete the ministry you have received from the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we have been entrusted. And I'm sorry that I'm using this word. Uh, I'm repeating this word so many times. But I want this to sink in, to be grilled in your heart. To, to not forget that the Lord is going to do great things with you. If you just allow yourself to be used by God. And... Mark my words, that anointing is going to come and it's going to take control. It's going to be a beautiful experience. But never forget that if you are going to boast, make sure you boast about Jesus Christ. Don't boast about your personal accomplishments. Don't boast about the things that you did because they were never about you to begin with. It was never about you. But sadly to say, we are living times where there are many people who proclaim the gospel, who preach about Jesus Christ, but everything has to be centered around them. They just use they they use Christ as a puppet. Sadly to say, they use him as a puppet just for their personal gains. No, preach about God, whether in season or out of season, whether in due time or not, as long as you are giving testimony about the one who loves you unconditionally, you are at the right track, brothers and sisters. Never let discouragement, defeat, deception, ego condition you to preach the gospel. That's what we were called to do, church. And verse 17, um, time is going by so quickly, and I'll bring closure tonight with the following. For if I preach voluntarily, I get rewarded, or I get a reward. But if I am willing to do, to do it, I am still entrusted with, with that obligation. Boy, oh boy, for those who accepted Jesus Christ, just like me and you, we have no other choice. We cannot say no to him. The minute that you confessed with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he sits at the right hand of the father and that he died for your sins, that, that was the day that you were entrapped in the Lord. And, and there is no escape. Oh, well, I mean, there are those who do apostates, sadly to say, those who neglect deliberately the faith. But but their outcome is horrific. Their outcome is destruction. I mean, the the, the son of perdition, Jesus even, even called out, even pointed out who was the son of perdition. And that was Judas, the one that betrayed him. But for those who are in the gospel, 
And for those who love Christ, because I know you love Christ. If you are connected right now, it's because you have an interest towards Christ. You are attentive to his word. You like his nourishment. You are you are investing this beautiful time with him. And I know you love the Lord. There's no escape from him. The good works will be fulfilled with you, whether you like it or not. And, and that's the beauty of it. I'll continue on very quickly. A couple last words and, and we'll and we'll wrap this up. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says, The one who plants and the one who waters have the same goal. And each will receive a reward for his own actions. Beautiful reality. Uh, we also see 1 Corinthians 3, again, verse 14, a couple uh, verses down that says, If what a person has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. I want you to say with me tonight, I have a beautiful foundation. I have a strong foundation and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation for my success, the foundation for my family, my loved ones. And he is the foundation of the gospel that you and I preach on a continuous basis. And I'll close it up with this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 also declares the one who receives a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person reward. Reward. Now, I want what does this verse really uh, talk about and, and and to who is it speaking to is speaking is speaking about those that of those that are attentive of others who preach the gospel for those who are somewhat iffy about it and still have questions if you just receive the word of God and this is for someone who perhaps is iffy about the gospel maybe someone who who has tuned in right now or is going to tune in at a later time or hear this podcast at some later time if you're still iffy about it and you're still questioning it I tell you tonight don't question the merits of God you are listening to this not by not by mere coincidence not because not by accident you're listening to this because God brought you. And the Lord is saying to you, if you receive my message, whether from a prophet, whether from a righteous man, if you receive it wholeheartedly, the way, the way how I, the way when I compensate the prophets and the righteous man, you too will be rewarded in that same degree and caliber. So don't despise the message of a prophet and the message of a righteous man, because what do they both have in common is to share the good news. And when they share the good news, they are rewarded. And the one who receives the good news also receives the same reward. So I close up tonight, brothers and sisters, with the following, what Paul declares again in first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For this obligation has been entrusted to me. How terrible it would be for me if I didn't preach the gospel. For if I preach voluntarily, I get a reward. But if I, I am willing to do it, I am still entrusted with that obligation. Verse 18. And I think verse 18 really answers the, the question. What then is my reward? Is it to be able to preach the gospel free of charge? And so I never resort to demanding my rights when I'm preaching the gospel. Continuing on, although I am free from everyone's expectations, I have made myself a servant to all of them to win more people. To all the Jews, I became like a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like a man under the law in order to win those under the law. Although he puts parentheses, although I myself am not under the influence of the law. 
to those who do not have the law, became like a man who does not have the law in order to win those who do not have the law. However, I am not free from God's law, but I am subject to the Messiah's law, Jesus. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, say with me, possible means, I might save some of them. Thank you for this very night, brothers and sisters, for tuning in. And um, let's uh, let's bow our heads. We'll bring closure to today's conversation. and, And we'll just declare that what's been entrusted in us will take us to another level, not just to rise the bar, but to crush the bar. Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you this night. Thank you for this hour that you allow us to to come together and to be led.